way to get to the kingdom of heaven to be with Jesus Christ and all the saints. People right here that we'll see in heaven that we might not see 10 years from now, but we'll see them in heaven one day. How far are you willing to travel? Well, I'm sure you've all been on journeys and you've taken cars, you've taken buses or trains or planes, ships. Think of all the access we have today. Well, they didn't have that luxury back in Paul's day. They did have boats. They did have horseback and mules and did a lot of their traveling by just walking. I want you to take a look here. Now, remember what we're looking at in the book of Romans. Paul wrote this book a couple years before he ever visited Rome. There wasn't any guarantee that he was going to be there. And he had to get the message of the gospel out to these people in Rome. Because Rome was like the New York City. It was the hub. Everything went there and then shot out all throughout the world. And he needed to get the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ to these people in Rome. Because all roads led to Rome. And all roads led out of Rome. 25 years before he wrote this letter is when he had that confrontation with Jesus Christ. Do you remember when you had your first confrontation with Jesus, where you really knew who he was? Where you really knew he grabbed your heart. He finally penetrated. It wasn't just a head knowledge. It was a heart grabbing, a heart knowledge of God. And it changed your life forever. Paul writes this letter to the Romans from Corinth. A terrible city. An immoral city. Sexually saturated. Sexually perverted. Things were legal there. But yet that didn't shut Paul up. He was willing to die for the truth. He was willing to die for the truth. He was willing to travel anywhere to give the truth out. He was willing to take a stand if he was the only guy that took that stand. He didn't care if the whole world was against him. He didn't care if his family was against him. He didn't care if his relatives were against him. He didn't care if his close companions turned against him. He was willing to travel all by himself if need be. Where are you and I willing to go? How far are we willing to go on this journey with Jesus Christ? Let's check out Paul a little bit here. I'm going to just replay it and you'll see Paul's journey. That is one heck of a trip. Paul would only wish that it went that fast, that he could get there that fast. Part of that journey was a shipwreck. Towards the end of his journey was a shipwreck. But look where he went from. All the way over in Jerusalem, in the right corner, all the way to Rome. 
He traveled pretty far. He didn't even know the people in Rome. He was willing to leave his comfort zone. When we looked at the first 17 verses of Romans, there were some neat things that came out that applied to you and to me. We saw that Paul was a bondservant. He was a slave of Jesus Christ. He was someone who wanted to be controlled and have as his master and Lord, Jesus Christ. Hopefully you and I can say the same thing. He was also called to the gospel. He was called to the good news that Jesus died, was buried, and rose again on the third day. And that he died for our sins. You and I are called and separated, just like Paul was, for the gospel of Jesus Christ. He went through in the verses preceding what we're going to look at tonight, going back into the scriptures to point out all the different places where God talked about his visit to this earth. The hundreds of prophecies that were going to be fulfilled and were fulfilled in Jesus Christ. As Pastor Joe spoke on Sunday, we see the power of the resurrection and how this is our anchor. This is what we believe. This is the focus of our faith. That if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, we're wasting our time here today. We should be doing something else. We should be closing this book and throwing it away. But no, Jesus rose from the dead. There's historical evidence, there's secular evidence, there's biblical evidence, there's archaeological evidence, there's life-changing personal evidence of a living, risen Savior who's changed our lives, yours and mine. We know what He's done in our hearts. We know where we've come from. We know our final destination, but we don't know all the journey that the, road, the Lord has called us to go on. Some of us are on a journey right now. We know it. We're drawing closer to the Lord because of the things that are going on. We also see in the first several verses of Romans 1 that he calls us to be a witness for him. That when we get together, we're sharing spiritual gifts with each other. That's why it's important to come together. You don't want to be a Lone Ranger Christian. There's things that you give me and I give you and, we, and it builds our faith up. And then we closed last time on not being ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Remember, this was written to the uh, Jews and the Greeks. The Greeks being very intelligent people. Loving philosophy and loving academics. Yet a man dying on a cross was foolishness to them. But it wasn't foolishness to Paul. He would proclaim it. He wasn't ashamed of the gospel. The Jews were looking for a sign. And what a great sign. They got through Jesus Christ, their Messiah. A resurrection of a dead man who was buried. The secular Roman government declared him dead. Yet he came back to life and was seen by over 500 people before he went up into heaven. And we see a righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, 
from the start of your faith to the finish of your faith. There's a right standing of God that he shows us in his life and in his words. And now tonight, we're going to pick up on verse 18 of chapter 1. I'm going to read it through to the end of the chapter, and then we'll go back as time permits and see how far we get. Verse 18, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodlessness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions, for even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust for one another, men with men, committing what is shameful, and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error, which was due. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind, to do those things which are not fitting, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful who knowing the righteous judgment of God that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. Lord, I just pray that now you just bring out those things that you need us to hear and receive. And we just ask this in your precious name, Jesus. Verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodlessness and unrighteousness, unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. When Moses went up to Mount Sinai, he came back down with two tablets in his hand. And these two tablets as he was bringing them down below on the base of Mount Sinai, they were partying. They were having an orgy, sexual orgy, and they had a golden calf, an idol that they were worshiping. In these verses that we're looking at tonight, the first part where the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, 
If you notice, on the left side, you have four of the commandments that deal with God. Those are God's command. That's when we're honoring God, we're being godly. It's our relationship, our right relationship with God. When we're being unrighteous, it's when we're not having a right relationship with people, which is, you see, commandments 5 through 10. But notice it starts with having a right relationship with God. If you don't have a right relationship with God, how can you have a right relationship with your neighbors, whether they're Christians or non-Christians? It all starts in that first relationship with the living Savior. Now, one of the things that was, is mentioned in verse 16, it says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. Salvation from what? What are we being saved from? Well, one of the main things is the wrath of God that's on this earth, that's coming in a final judgment day. When we stand before Jesus face to face, one on one. It's one thing we're in a congregation and we've all done something wrong. It's another thing when you're called into the principal's office by yourself and you have to leave your buddies who you got in trouble with, and now it's just one-on-one. -on -one. God had died on the cross and revealed himself to you and me to save us from his wrath. But yet notice in verse 18 that the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all godlessness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Another word for suppress is to hold down or to hold back or detain. What are they holding back? What are they detaining? Notice what it is. It's the truth of God. What is the truth of God? You're holding it in your hands. You're a minority of the people in the world that have a Bible. Do you know most churches don't use a Bible? Think about it. Most churches don't use a Bible. I've been in services throughout my lifetime. There weren't Bibles in the pews. The person up here didn't have a Bible. He had some words maybe of the Bible, but he wasn't going through the Bible. He wasn't giving us the whole counsel of God. The total truth was being held back. I was thinking of the last two messages that I've heard sitting out there where you are, from Pastor Joe and from Pastor Mike. What do you think Sodom and Gomorrah was like? What do you, how, how did they fit Romans 1. 
Where were they? Where were they in their ungodliness and their unrighteousness? What were they like in their relationship with God? We saw they didn't have one. How was their relationship with their neighbors? Ooh, it was perverted because the truth of God was being suppressed. Remember growing up, people were saying, well, what happens about the person that's in the middle of the jungles in South America and never hear the gospel? Well, according to this, they know. God has made it evident. Let's look at verse 19. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. Shown it to who? To those people who are suppressing the truth. Now see, you and I might have been those people at one time, right, that suppressed the truth or didn't give God the time of day. We could have been those people, but then something took place. God's mercy and his grace opened up your eyes. You were blind, now you see. You were spiritually crippled, now you walk. What changed? It wasn't you. God penetrated a hard heart. He opened up your eyes. Now, with the knowledge you were given, what have you done with that? Have you increased your walk with the Lord? Have you gone deeper in your travel with the Lord? Or have you just stayed on the surface? See, they knew. They knew. They had had knowledge. But there was no change in their lives. It didn't affect their change, their behavior. Remember what Pastor Joe said, I believe it was Sunday, if not in one of the past week or so, about belief and behavior. How you behave shows what you believe in. And what you believe in is played out in your behavior. How are you doing in your travel with the Lord? Do you see that carried out in your workplace, in your family, in the church? Is it being carried out? Are you who you profess to be? Or are you suppressing what God wants to do in your life? Because you don't want to travel where God's calling you to travel. And it doesn't have to be a location. It doesn't have to be going from here to Rome. The travel might just be in your individual journey with the Lord, in his word. One-on-one -on -one with him. How are you doing? How's it going for you? Now, what are some of the ways that God has shown himself to you and to me? Same way he did to the people back in Paul's day. Remember, the Bible says he's planted the knowledge of him in everybody's heart. He's written his words on our heart. Now, we can deny that and say, oh, God doesn't care. He's not listening to me. He never answers my prayers. I don't know what he's doing in my life. Or maybe you were a believer for a while real strong, and then something happened. 
that changed your belief. It got weaker. You didn't trust God as much because you went through a school of hard knocks or something went on in your life that just made you not trust Him as much as you used to. You have a mind. You can go ahead. Turn with me to Psalm 19. You have a mind. God gives you vision to see. Gives you ears to hear. Gives you perception. Gives you people to have conversations with. Gives you music to listen to. Gives you books to read. And so many of those can be triggering a deeper walk with the Lord. Are you hearing that? Look at Psalm 19 and think about just what we're talking about tonight. Verse 1, the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament show his handiwork. Day unto day utters speech and night unto night reveals knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through the whole earth and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tabernacle for the sun, which is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, and rejoices like a strong man to run its race. Its rising is from one end of heaven, and its circuit to the other end, and there is nothing hidden from its heat. Let's go down to verse 20. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen. That's one heck of a verse right there. Being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Who is without excuse? It's those people up in a couple verses before that suppress the truth. That denied that God even existed. Even though God was making it very plain to them. Young people, if you live to be older, you will find out that as you get older, you get more serious about leaving this earth and holding on less and less to those things that kept you here before. One reason is you see the temporariness of things as you get older. I remember when I was in my late teens, early 20s, I couldn't wait to get that shiny car. And after I got that car, I couldn't wait a few years later, I grew older that one, I wanted to get another car. Now I don't care, as long as it gets me to where I'm going. Doesn't matter. Something changed though, see? Something changed. Perspective. But young people, don't wait. Please think of Mary, the earthly mother of Jesus. Think of Daniel and David. Think of those young teenagers that God used in a mighty way. The young adults that God used in a mighty way. He wants to do that in your life. 
as well as the middle age and older people. He's not done with any of us as long as we're still traveling with him on this earth. His invisible attributes are clearly seen. How, do we, how does that work? Well, it's dark out. Somebody shut the lights off. Somebody who's in control. There's a controller from the light and the darkness. But who made that sun? How do you make a sun? How do you right now see everybody that's in here and all the different colors we have on? The millions of rods in your eyes that are picking up everything and then projecting it on a screen in your brain. From a bolt of lightning that went in a swamp and splashed, created that. You can go on YouTube and go anatomy of the eye. You can go on YouTube, formation of a baby in the womb. And you have to be a fool to say that stuff just happens instead of saying, wow, look at that cre creation. There must be a creator. Look at that, all the vet blood vessels and look at all the nerves and all the, the rods in the eye. Who put them in the exact right place? There had to be an organizer. Who put everything together? in such beautiful, artistic way. He has to have that artistic ability, his characteristics as an artist, a creator, a maker. And then he shows us he's a savior, a historical figure that comes down into time. There's so much evidence. Why don't people want to see it? Why don't people receive it? What is behind rejecting that and holding it down? Easy. They don't want to be accountable. They don't want to see that they're a sinner in need of a savior. So they're in denial. They block that out. If they say there's a creator, there's someone greater than them, they have to be accountable. Notice verse 21. But before we go to 21, look at the last few words of 20 so that they are without excuse. Can you imagine? I die and, I, and I, I don't receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Well, God, you never showed me anything. I mean, like, what was it, you know? How could I say that? I would have to be crazy. Just think of the things God does in a life, in a world that has so much of his handiwork in it. Verse 21, because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Again, in verse 21, notice, they knew God. They knew him. But, look, they did not glorify him as God. They didn't give him the credit as God. They didn't give him the time of day. They rejected what he was showing them. Pastor Mike talked about Sodom and Gomorrah. Think about those guys 
who wanted to have sex with the angels. And how they were struck blind and they couldn't find the door. Don't you think that would wake you up? Don't you think that would open your eyes spiritually and say, oh my goodness, that's confirming in my heart that I was doing something wrong. But they constantly rejected what God was showing them over the course of their days and their heart became hard. They couldn't have the uh, sensitivity of God's leading and God's calling them out of that sinful lifestyle. And we're going to see what happens to people who do that. But here they knew God and they didn't glorify Him as God. And they weren't thankful. How are you and I with our thanking God all the time for our life, the things we have, the people in our lives, the church we go to, the Word of God just being professed, the things we get to do with each other or with our family as a result of just maybe having opportunities to live. Are we thankful for that stuff? Or do we take it for granted? There was a Puritan minister who had a piece of bread and water. And he goes, Lord, all this and you too? How about that one? Or the traveling minister who was given a piece of fish and a bread piece of bread. And he goes, oh, Lord, you, you scourged the seas to just get me this, my meal today. You took care of me today. Think of what we take for granted in this country, right? All this stuff we have. Could we say like the Puritan minister with the piece of bread and a bottle of water, all this and Jesus too? Where does Jesus want you to travel with him? How far are you willing to go? Continuing in verse 21, Jesus, as we know, is the light of the world. If he's in you, you are a light also. In a dark world that has rejected Jesus Christ. Now notice these people who have suppressed God's word. They weren't thankful. They knew God, but they didn't glorify Him. Notice what's going on. Their foolish hearts were darkened. Lot's wife. When I was preparing to study, I was just thinking how much of the correlation with things that happened in Sodom and Gomorrah that are things that are happening right here in Romans 1. How dark was the world that they were living in that's Lot's wife, her heart was still there when she had a chance to escape and she didn't. You and I, because of Jesus Christ, we can escape those things in our life that are causing the darkness there. God wants to shed light on every part of your heart, on every part of your mind. Are you allowing him to do that? You are if you're daily in his word and his word is washing you. His word is getting rid of that dirt that's in your heart, that's on your mind. Are you doing that though? Are you taking it serious? Is that something you're really into? Are you traveling with Jesus where he wants to take you? Or are you hiding 
Hide them. Hide or seek. Are you hiding from them? In a dark place. Or are you seeking him? And by seeking him, he's shedding light on where he wants to travel with you. Are you taking that serious? Or are you being defiant? Are you being hard-hearted and hard-headed and not listening and not seeing the things, the evidence that he's putting right in your path? Don't do that, people. Please don't do it. I speak to you as either an equal age brother, an older brother, or a younger brother tonight. Don't do that. You're my family. Don't get deceived by the enemy who wants to suppress the word of God in your life, the personality of Jesus in your heart, and you just walk in darkness, seeking which way to go. Don't do that. Travel with Jesus. He's the light. And it might just be a step at a time. Maybe you can't figure out why there's a circumstance going on in your life right now. Whatever it is. It can be a health issue. It can be a circumstance on your job. It could be something happening in your family. And it's dark. You don't know what's coming. You don't know what's coming down the road. But remember what God said. His word is a lamp and a light for your feet and a path. And I always like the analogy of the uh, campers going camping. And it's the middle of the night and you've got to wake up to go to the bathroom. And there's no lights around except the stars. But you can't see. But you have a flashlight. And you don't shine the flashlight down where the restrooms are when you're walking through the woods or through the trails, it's right down here. You're taking one step at a time and, and seeing and avoiding things because the light is on the path right here. Just look at today's path. Don't worry about next week. Don't worry about a year from now. God holds your precious life and my precious life in the palm of his hand. We want to ride with Jesus through this life as he just carries us through. But we gotta be in tune with his Holy Spirit. We can't be suppressing the truth, his word. We gotta be sanctified and set apart by his word. His word is connected every time you hear it and read it. He's showing you the path he wants you to take and he wants me to take. Don't suppress it. And notice the foolish hearts were darkened. That's a result of their rejection of God. Professing themselves to be wise in verse 22, they became fools. And one of the meanings of that word fools is morons. They became morons. No one wants to be a moron. But yet they denied God. And as God's word said, the fools have, if you don't believe in God, you're a fool. A fool has said there is no God. And they changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. One of the things, one of the meanings of that word change in verse 23 
is they exchanged one thing for another. So God revealed himself to them, but they suppressed that truth. They took it and they wanted to change it with something else. You know, I might go to, uh, to the mall or something and I go shopping for a birthday gift or a Christmas gift for my wife. And I'm clueless as a guy what I'm going to get her, but I want to get her something. So I buy something that I think is going to be nice. And she gets it and you know what she, if she doesn't like it, she can take it back and exchange it for something she likes. Well, that's what's going on here. God showed himself to these people. They didn't want to hear him. They didn't like it. So what they did is they went over here and they changed, they exchanged what God has shown them for what they wanted. And one of the things they did, they took the incorruptible God and put him on the side and they started making images made like them. And we can go back into archaeology and we can see the half man, half bird, or half man, half alligator. We can see that mixture of animals and man. There's religions today that do that. They have images and then they're like of what the Bible is saying here, four-footed animals and creeping things. Foolishness to me and you because we believe in a living God, a risen Savior, who showed himself in flesh on this earth for 33 years. But they deny that. So they make these stone images that they pray to, that they put on their keychains or in their cars. Verse 24, Therefore God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Now notice, they gave up, they changed what God revealed to them. And notice God's response. He gave them up to uncleanness. He gave them up to the lust of their hearts. He gave them what they wanted. Now, you and I sit here tonight because of God's mercy and grace. He rescued us from the slime and the pollution of the world. That's his grace and his mercy. When you are in the world and the corruption of the world and the uncleanness of the world, I believe we're looking at part of God's wrath on the fallen human race. Because left in that situation, they will perish. They will be in a heartbeat in hell. In a heartbeat. We're all one heartbeat away from eternity. God's wrath is being shown throughout the world today. 
You and I see something different though. We're praying for those people who are unsaved. Hopefully, family members, maybe church members, workers, students, whoever is in our path. Hopefully we're praying for them, that God opens up their eyes and that we are a light in that dark place that maybe we'll strike a conversation. Something will take place. But we need to pray for one another. We need to pray for the unsaved. And notice, it's not in their minds in verse 24 where this uncleanness is. It's in their heart. It's in their core of their being. It's in their spirit. This is where it is. This is who they are. They're sinners like you and me. But God rescued you and me from this sin of body, this body of sin and death. We can't be pointing our fingers at the world because we were those same unforgiven sinners at one time. Only difference now is we're forgiven and we're traveling with God on a path that he set before us. And we're aware of that. And my question tonight, as we wrap up in the next couple minutes, is are you hiding from God and his travel plans for you? Or are you seeking his face daily and walking with him and know you're on the course he wants you to be on? Notice one of the things that takes place, and we'll get into this next time in Romans, But one of the things that takes place at the end of verse 24 is they dishonor their bodies among themselves. See, God has a use for each of you. He has a sanctified, holy, separated, called to be separate to Him use for you and for me. When we suppress that truth and the knowledge of God and His design for us, we see that we can end up dishonoring our bodies among ourselves. And finally, verse 25, who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Remember that exchange? Here we see that exchange. We're exchanging one thing for another. But again, we're exchanging the truth of God for the lie. Remember, Jesus is the Word of God. When we take Jesus out of the equation, there's all vileness and uncleanness that comes in. And we're exchanging that truth of God for the lie. Now, what's the lie? Well, we can go all the way back to the Genesis 3 in the Garden of Eden and see two quick lies that came right at Adam and Eve. One was doubting God's word. Did God really say this? But the the lie, the lies, you can be like God. You can be like God. Who's on the throne of your life daily? Is it you? Is it someone else? Is it something else? Or is it Jesus Christ? We can never take Jesus off that throne. Once we do that, we're in darkness. Anything can happen. How many of you, born-again believers, went into a backslidden state in your life? 
Think of where that brought you. Think of what happened in that backslidden state. Think of the darkness and the depravity and the black hole you were in until Jesus rescued you again. How many times did you have to fall into that black hole? Or are you still falling into it today? Is everything about Jesus head knowledge? Or have you received him into your heart? Is your belief something that has changed your behavior? Is it real? Is it evidenced in your life? Or is it all just head knowledge? You know God's word. You can quote it. You've memorized scripture. But you fall into the categories of the last few verses of Romans 1. You're doing things that are disrupting the body of Christ. That are dishonoring the body of Christ. Doesn't matter if you memorize scripture. If it hasn't changed your behavior, something's going on. And you need to examine that. There should be a change in your lifestyle. You're not the same. You've been bought with a price. You're a new creature in Christ. Are you the same person you've always been? Something's not right there. Something's not going on that should be. And notice, as we close, you worship and serve the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. You're, you're serving each other. You're serving the world. Paul is setting out in Romans his longest letter. When this country was first established in the law schools, they used the book of Romans to show how Paul just set up his argument and his defense. The first 17 verses, we see the righteousness of God. We see things that God is doing. And now notice what's happening when we hit verse 18. He's showing what he's done and is doing and the reason he's doing it. There's something taking place that he's doing this out of his love for you and me. And he wants to make sure that we all see in chapter 1, especially 18 through 32, that we're unrighteous. We're sinners. And then the cool part is, like those Pharisees that stood there and said, well, I'm glad I'm not like that guy, a sinner. He gets into chapter 2, goes after the self-righteous people. But right now, he's taking care of just the unrighteous people. Hide and seek. My prayer as we close tonight is you're not hiding anymore. You're opening up your heart to the Lord and say, Lord, just shine on my heart what I need to see now. You might not even be aware of it. You know what I mean? You might be ignorant of something the Lord is trying to show you. Or... You've been battling what the Lord has been showing and you've been suppressing it. How about letting it go tonight so you can get on that journey with the Lord and see where he wants to take you? There's a lot of stuff in this chapter one that we'll see next time. 
But I encourage you to read the rest of chapter 1 and concentrate on those last verses 28 through 32 and see if the Lord touches your heart in any of those areas. And just put it before the cross. Let's pray.